With the continuing debate on how to get economies around the world restarted, companies are still grappling with how and if they should be getting their employees back into a physical workspace. Tech giants have already pledged that their workforces won't return to work this year, possibly never. For other companies, getting people back into an office can't happen soon enough. With very real human emotions running high around personal safety and changing a system that seems to be working, we talk with Hannah Ellis, founder and CEO of The Workplace Lawyers, to explore how we balance the legal realities of a return to work together with the associated morals, ethics and practicalities that come with it. From the team at Helix, I'm Tim Mullen. This is the science of us. A podcast about who we are, how we behave, and why. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Helix. www.helix.com At Helix, we help you understand your people, track progress, and stay connected. Check out the website to learn more. Hannah Ellis, welcome. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. And it is a little bit strange because this is the first podcast that we're doing in person. Uh, All of the other ones that I've been doing have been from my studio at home. So thank you for welcoming us into the office. And obviously, we are keeping the social distancing between us. Obviously. Which does work for the podcast medium, which is good. Now, let's get into this debate a little bit more. So week by week, things have been peeling back. Uh, Some of the restrictions are easing with what we're seeing from the government. I guess the question right now is the speed at which those are happening. So from the beginning of this week, 1st of June, we're looking at the fact that people can have 50 people in pubs and restaurants. Before that, it was 10. Uh, We were even talking about the fact that trying to get a booking in these places is now becoming increasingly difficult. So what do you think the speed, what do you think of the speed at the moment at which things are opening back up? Well, look, Tim, I'm um, known to be a pretty impatient person, but I genuinely think that this is something that we can't rush and that we need to leave to the experts. So I think that the psyche for a lot of employees has changed legitimately because if those health and safety risks aren't managed properly, then um, we could find ourselves in a pickle. But also because I think a lot of staff have now seen that their employers are making adjustments that they've previously said are not possible. So from their perspective, it's taking them time to adjust to the new normal um, of what that office um, environment might look like. But I think the employers also need to take the time in order to understand the data and you know what their staff want and to ensure that their COVID safe plan is addressing those um, safety concerns in their specific context. So I know that some of our clients in certain industries like tourism, hospitality, all the restaurants and pubs are um, dying to, to open up more quickly and to see some of those restrictions relaxed even further and even more swiftly. But, you know, I think that we need to trust the government advice and I think um, the success of Australia's measures so far speak for themselves. So yep. we just need to uh, go with the flow and um, maintain a nimble approach. And do you think that from the perspective of what you're seeing from companies, you mentioned a couple of companies in specific sectors there, but what do you see companies across the board doing? I think a comment you made earlier was a lot of people thought that none of this was actually possible. We couldn't do this. It was 
impossible to have my workers at home. They had to be in the office. But I think a lot of people have now seen the fact that it is a distinct possibility that they can have their people in a much more distributed looking workforce. So what are you seeing across the board when it comes to the companies uh, and, and what they're doing to get their people back into the office? Well, in terms of getting people back, I think it really depends on um, the type of office environment, the physical layout uh, and any specific risks that are presented. In terms of what we're seeing, um, obviously the standard ones are the good old hand sanitizer, yep. additional signage. Um, Might use a bit more actually. <laughs> no social catch-ups in the tea room, much to my dismay. Uh, no food prep facilities available. Also, yeah. um, some temperature checking and thermal scanning in yeah. the bigger companies. And obviously, the staggered start and finish times, mm. um, team A, team B, um, or project-specific teams, so yeah. that there's not too many people in the office and that those social distancing measures and four square metre um, parameters can be maintained. So I think that um, it's going to look very different but I certainly hope that um, the office is not dead as some people have been saying. And do you think that they're on that point, is there a general attitude that people have towards following these guidelines? Are they things that people follow regimentally, do you think? Or do you think a couple of companies open things to interpretation? Is it is it something that we're still working our way through at the moment? Well, look, I think this is really unprecedented kind of territory and I think that there are certain not negotiables like social distancing and um, personal hygiene. But I do think that there are other um, areas in which there is more flexibility for employers and really how um, a company or an employer approaches those depends on their leadership, uh, their risk appetite mm. and their workforce. So, yeah, there's certainly different responses. But I think overall... Um, even the companies, um, well, all companies are facing similar challenges yep. in the sense that they are wanting to get the most out of their workforce and they're wanting to maintain the health and safety of all their workers and they're trying yep. to work out the best way to do that. And do you think that they feel the pressure that they have to follow what the government is saying? So I know that we've seen a number of workplaces that I've spoken to where even, I guess, with the speed at which the government is moving and they're encouraging everybody to go back to work – you still have people that are a little bit concerned about it. So what pressure do you think workplaces are actually feeling when it comes to what they think they're required to do or in reality what they want to do or what's best for them? Well, um, at this point in time, there's still a public health order which um, took effect as of yesterday and has been in place in largely similar terms for some time um, throughout May, which says that an employer must allow an employee to work from their place of residence where it's reasonably practicable to do so. Yep. So I think that um, companies that are looking to force staff back to work where there's yep. no legitimate grounds for that, uh, I think that they're skating on really thin ice and that... Um, Look, in our experience, prior to those public health orders coming into effect, there was certainly a lot of murmurs about, you know, people whinging about having to um, allow people to work from home. But I really think that we have made some good pro uh, progress, rather, in the last couple of months or yep. few months. And the kind of attitude towards working from home has shifted and we've made mm. some good gains. So I think at this point, there's not a lot of companies that are looking to kind of force people back to the office. There are certainly companies that are talking about providing employees with choice and uh, working through a staged partial return to work plan. Yep. But um, 
there's not a lot of people, are, you know, in, in our experience that are really pushing to get everyone back to the office purely because they do have to manage those work health and safety obligations. Yep. And their obligation there is to eliminate risks as far as reasonably practicable or minimise those. And yep. the safest, easiest, most cost-effective way of doing that is obviously to let people continue working from home, particularly where they've proven that they're capable of doing so. Uh, obviously, workplace law is something that you specialise in. So what are the other legalities that people are looking at? You've, you've rattled off a few there. But I've, something that I've heard quite a lot is how do you start to then look at things of when employees choose to work from home or that is the requirement – things like OH&S, uh, a whole raft of other things. But there's also the other side of, as you said, if people are thin on, on thin ice, if they're trying to force people back, where, how do people navigate this myriad of legalities that they may not even know half of as they try and get their workforce back to, I think back to a place where they wanted it to be. But the reality is being that that will probably never be the place they wanted it to be. It'll look different, yeah. 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 Look, I think... Uh, I'm not saying this in a self-interested way and certainly there are loads of great providers out there but I think getting expert advice is really important because yep. every business is different um, and the risks presented um, to staff and customers will be different and you really need to understand um, your own business and how you can protect your customers and your staff otherwise you know there are significant liabilities so yep. um I think that right now um you know there's not there's probably not a lot of um, employers that can try and force people back to the office. Yep. But certainly as, um, you know, time moves on and restrictions are lifted and we all get more used to um, managing the safety, um, health and safety protocols, uh, there will become a time where people say, well, I actually don't probably want to come back to the office. Yeah. And at that point, it's a matter for the employer to weigh up, well, is it a lawful and reasonable direction? What are the inherent requirements of that role? Um, and I always say to my clients, well, why not? You know, like you've got to give me good grounds as to yeah. um, why we, you know, can't allow that, particularly where I think a lot of people have shown during this crisis that their jobs are able to be performed largely yeah. remotely. And do you think a lot of this comes down to communication? Because the other thing that I've heard... I think it was even yesterday, um, I think our editor and I were actually on a on a call talking to somebody about this specifically where is it to the state where you just need to communicate no matter what side of this that you're on. So whether you're on the employer's side or whether you're on the individual side, but you have to be open with each other and very and very trustworthy and authentic about what are the reasons that you both have so you can work through it rather than just coming at it from a this is our opinion, this is what we're going to do and off we go. Yeah, well, one of an employer's key responsibilities under the work health and safety laws that um, generally exist across Australia is to consult. So that really um, is all about that two-way dialogue. So I don't think that um, you can meet your obligations without having those conversations. And obviously yeah. in bigger businesses, that's going to look different. That's going to be collected through um, software and there's going to be polling and there's going to be ways of people um, feeding through their you know, feedback and, and yep. concerns, but certainly listening to staff about what they want and being open to having different arrangements for different people um, where it's operationally and commercially feasible um, is the key to success. And I think on the flip side for those employers that are keen to, you know, get people back to the office for whatever reason, whether it be collaboration, um, socialisation, um, you know, a break from the home, because there has been some real kind of health and safety concerns arising from that lack of delineation yeah. between work and home. Yep. Uh, I think for 
for those employers, I think on the flip side, communicating uh, the social and cultural benefits when people do come back and perhaps providing some some reassurance to those people that might be more anxious about returning. I think that communication on that side will also be really important. Yeah, because I think that point you make there around anxiety is something that a lot of people are feeling because right now you have a number of people and particularly and again examples that I can refer to that people I've spoken with who say I'm just not comfortable I just you know I'm not even seeing my friends and family still I'm still limiting that therefore why would I ever see myself kind of coming back to the workplace and to those people is it is it just a communication thing about how we work or is it just as you said I mean maybe consultative is the is the right word to use because those people you just need to talk to about how they're feeling to remove if we sort of put the legals aside for one moment is actually treat them like humans because this is a human crisis. Yeah, that's right. And I think for too long, um, employers have been concerned about policing people and um, you know imposing regimented structures and procedures. And what this crisis has really shown is that um, the companies that can listen and can yeah. be nimble and agile um, are the ones that are going to come out on top and that are really achieving big eye innovation across the board. But um, so... I think that, you know, in general, the crisis has also, has also shown us that um, Australians can be trusted. You know, yeah. we, are, we did put our own needs aside for the sake of the greater good. And I think workplaces sh- should be treated the same in the sense that, mm. you know, we should allow people to, you know, we should trust people to make the decision that's right for them, provided they are performing their role um, and there are no other health and safety concerns. So, you know, there are other, um, there are some businesses that are trying to bring, bring people back for the right reasons. For example, they're concerned um, that their call centre staff who've been sitting at home all day, every yeah. day, fielding calls from angry um, customers, yeah. that Doing that in that environment with no um, team support or, you know, escalation um, means is actually harmful to their psychological safety. Mm. And so bringing them back to the call centre has been not necessarily about monitoring them because that's very much a job where, you know, you can see if someone's doing it and the calls are listened to from quality control perspective all day, every day by teams of dedicated people. But it's about um, making sure that, um, that those staff are psychologically safe and so Mm. i think trusting them but also um you know being on the front foot and coming up with new ways of organizing work and organizing the way that work's done and allocated is also going to be really important moving forward yeah because it is it is very much a moral and ethical question we're talking about here i know that again we're approaching this from a, a legal point of view and we've talked to other people from architecture to people and culture about how they're approaching it but really despite all the legalities that have to be navigated, it is a moral and ethical debate that you need to have with yourself, with your team, particularly because we are all humans at the end of this. And I think that can't be forgotten. Yeah, I think that's right. And it is really difficult for employers uh, because, for example, we had um, a caravan park client who's uh, really excited about reopening obviously but the Mm. recommendation at the time we spoke to them was that they uh, have someone clean the showers after every shower and they said well that's we're not going to be able to open because we're not going to be able to afford to do that um, given the restrictions on you know customers etc and I kind of had to say to them well you need to make a choice about you know 
what's more important. Can you ask the guests to take some responsibility for that process and clean mm. the shower after they go there and have someone clean them three times a day and open and try and keep this business going? Or, um, you know, are you just going to stay closed until such time as the recommendation is, um, you know, has has been relaxed somewhat? And I think those decisions are really difficult for people to make and the environment is moving really quickly and mm. so often you know sound decision making kind of processes aren't aren't being followed but um it really is not just the ethical it's the commercial um it's the cultural it's the you know the whs there's so many aspects yeah. um to making decisions in this environment that need to be considered and i think um a lot of businesses are struggling do you think we're going to find a whole raft of businesses that just choose to effectively not reopen at all ever because to your point there that you have specific requirements particularly even with looking at retail <clears throat> excuse me hospitality uh, those sorts of businesses are the ones where they're asking themselves can i operate at a reduced capacity of 10 to 50 people and and despite the fact that there are many places that may be booked out all the the well-known venues and etc they're going to be a number of other venues that may not have been as popular, they may have been on the rise, but for them it's a question of can I even operate because I don't know, I can't even understand how my patrons are going to react. Are they going to be too freaked out to want to come in? Are they going to be able to get over the own hurdle of how they feel about being out in public around other people to come and visit my establishment over another? Is it just that some of the well-known establishments win out of all of this and everybody else goes down? I, I don't know if it's a, it's a hard question, but do you see that people have to make that, that decision? I think that a lot of small businesses are facing those decisions at present and I think that um, the restrictions that have been in place um, obviously for biosecurity and public health reasons have meant that a lot of businesses haven't, it, you know, it simply hasn't been viable for them to reopen. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of them may not come out the other side and I expect that once the um, JobKeeper scheme winds up that, you know, we've really just put off a lot of that um, pain until kind of that September Um time frame comes around so but it's hard running a small yeah. business and I think most of them are still having a go from what we can see anecdotally um, across the board in the SME market in those really you know badly affected industries it's just that um, time frames are limited yeah. um, they've got less chefs on things take longer customer yeah. service standards decline but hopefully you know a lot of them have had a long hard look in the mirror and they will come out the other side hopefully um as a more profitable and more diverse business potentially with you know delivery services um you know family home home cooking yeah. um, options which i've been taking advantage of um <laughs> So I believe Maryville has one of those from Mr. Wong's. Oh, yum. Yeah. One of my favourites. But, you know, I, I, I'm a really positive, optimistic person. Yeah. So I hope that a lot of those small businesses can come out the other side because I know how tough it is to run a small business. But I think the reality is that um, a lot of them won't reopen. Well, let's stay with positivity for a little bit because I, I know that we have been talking about the harsh realities of, of everything else that happens. What are you seeing from a positive standpoint of some of the companies that you work with of how they have reacted to this and how they've thought, well, I will come out of this stronger on the other side because of the innovations that they might be taking, uh, because of the, the changes that they're doing, even with the way that they deal with their own people. Yeah, I, I've really taken a lot of comfort from those of our clients who have shown their agility during this crisis. So for example, um, one of our clients built a whole new 
telehealth product in a week and um, won a huge Victorian government contract. So that was amazing. Um, and they were, you know, pretty much a startup when they did that. Yep. Uh, another client, huge client, has redirected all their retail staff because they closed all their retail stores uh, to work from home and um, work in a call centre, help desk capacity because yep. all of their call centres overseas uh, were shut down by um, Indian yep. um, and other governments. So I have found those stories really uplifting amongst what has been a fairly devastating few months for many of our clients. Yeah. And um, I think it's it's great to celebrate those wins during this time. Yeah, 100%. And do you think um, when we look out and try and predict, I, I ask quite a few guests about this and they, they get really annoyed at me because they say I'm not a, a crystal ball sort of soothsayer, et cetera. But oh, I love a bit of astrology, oh, but I, I can't guarantee that there's going to be any kind of, um, you know, it's probably not going to come true, but I'll give you my. Well, that's fine. It makes for good uh, for good podcasting. So, if we look at how long do you think that this is going to last? So, how long do you think we are going to be in a situation where we're constantly thinking? Because I know that so many companies have been saying, "Okay, we want to get try and get back to a little bit of a normal." We're a new normal, anyway. Mm, the new normal. The it's new just normal. replaced unprecedented in my vocabulary. Oh, it, it literally that was has, the, hasn't it? That was the early word. Now mm. it's new normal. We're mm. guilty of using it as well. And I've uh, definitely changed a few of those titles on webinars because I think that people are just so used to that. But we are constantly evolving. And so many of the companies now say, okay, I've been working on this for two months and I still don't understand all of the complexities. Just when you think you've got it worked out, there are then a host of other things like, oh, I didn't think about this, I didn't think about this. So how long do you think we're going to be in this mode of, of just continually evolving, adapting and on we go? Well, hopefully forever because innovation mm. is the key to, you know, improving everything, the way we work, the way we structure work, um, the products we build. So I hope that this has impacted employers and society in a positive way, in the sense mm. that we will not just accept the way that things have always been done and we will not just say no because we've had a system and structure in place forever, yeah. um, that we will actually open our mind to doing things better. And yeah. I think that a lot of businesses, um, you know, the tech companies have said that nobody ever has to go back to the office, yeah. um, Twitter and the like. And I think that the reality is that um, that will be the default position for many others. But... If you flip the coin and say, well, you know, the negative side of that is that we probably never return to the way that things were, mm. um, it's kind of scary. And I do have real concerns about, as I just said before, about, you know, when you look around the city and you come into the city and you see the car parks are empty, the cafes are empty, the gyms are closed. Um, I worry about all those people doing those jobs. So, w you know, we need to find new jobs for those people yeah. uh, to perform and um, hopefully, you know, the economic impact won't be as, as disastrous as first thought. What do you miss most about the, uh, the old world versus the new normal? I'm an extrovert and I have learnt more about that during this crisis. I miss uh, collaborating, socialising, hugging, all of those things. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because it's one of those things that you took for granted before. Yeah. You know, even as we came in here, we did the uh, the elbow pump or whatever you want to call it. And it's uh, it's weird because even as you see people at the moment, your natural instinct is to want to go and give them a hug, give them a kiss on the cheek, whatever it might be. Because I'm similar to you in that extroverted nature. Yeah. 
and it's this really bizarre it's this bizarre world where you almost feel like you're cold walking around there's this like this coldness that exists and it's it, there's an awkwardness too um yeah. which i find really uncomfortable um and look, for me, I'm a bit of a workaholic, so I've always enjoyed the social aspects of the office. Um, it's been, for me, a refuge in in tough times. Mm. I've had some brilliant friendships. I've always had wonderful working relationships with my colleagues and um, clients, and I enjoy you know that face to face collaboration and, and problem solving. Yeah. So I just don't think you know. Whilst I acknowledge that the benefits of video are um, amazing, I just don't think it's the same. I think. You can't read body language. You can't maintain eye contact in the same way that totally. you can just here and yeah. now. And I um, feel energized actually just being in a room with somebody else talking to them as opposed to on the on the camera. I know. Yeah. And I, even just the, the kind of sense of purpose that you get from getting dressed every day and, yeah. f- you know, for me ordinarily putting on my heels and my lippy <laughs> today, it's not quite the same. But, um, you know, I, I think... It's odd for me as well because I dressed up for you, but it's, uh, yeah... Yeah, yeah, really just out of that black <laughs> uniform. <Yeah. laughs> but I just think that that, um, that part of work and the um, psychological benefits from a self-esteem perspective yep. are um, really significant for, yeah. for some people. But I acknowledge that other people think that it's the world's greatest thing to not have to interact with others and just get their work done. It's just yeah. that that's not me. One of the things we spoke about with uh, with Chris Good, who was from One Workplace, is that he said that the, the new normal is going to look like rich interaction happens when you actually go into an office and actually meet with people because a lot of people are going to want to prefer this working from home. I know that I actually, being an extrovert, I still love the ability to work from home. I'm getting a lot more done, I believe, than I used to get done. Yeah. could probably ask the people around me. JC, I don't know if you agree with that or you not. You haven't but been annoying everyone. No, I haven't been annoying everyone. But meetings, I mean, even down to meetings. So if you think about the time that is taken out for a meeting, for instance, if you are at home, you can roll from one meeting to another. I was speaking to somebody who had 28 um, important sort of meetings with investors that just rolled into uh, over one entire week. And they could do that because you could do it via Zoom. There was no travel involved. There was no having to go to different locations. And I even know that a lot of the tech guys have talked about that as well, saying, do I even need to fly to mm. San Francisco all the time? Do I need to fly to New York? But it is interesting that I think, JC, remind me, you, you said that there was a, uh, I think there was an article that came out about how Zoom there's actually Zoom fatigue, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, that, that is a real phenomenon. And yeah. I think that's, what, that's one of the work health and safety risks that we're working with a lot of clients to manage because okay. uh, not just the video fatigue because it, it is just draining having to look at yourself like yeah. 24-7 and acknowledge <laughs> the harsh... Oh, no, I quite like it <laughs> myself, but that's... Uh... But also the different, like the number, like the pure number of platforms that people are communicating with you. Um, So there's, you know, there's the instant messenger, there's the emails, there's the Zoom, there's the text, there's the calls. And it's it's kind of like overload. And I look... I hope that, and I and I certainly think that there are um, efficiencies that will be gained from those more kind of concerted uh, gatherings of clients yeah. and colleagues. But I also think that a lot of really amazing work happens organically and you just can't schedule that in. It might just yeah. happen um, through a conversation at the photocopier. You know, it might mm. be over a, a walk and, and, you know, an an early morning coffee and I think that we will lose a lot of that yeah when we're talking about really focused um, scheduled 
catch-ups. Yeah. It's blending of the focus with spontaneity, effectively. How do you keep that spontaneous? Because, again, I, I get so many good things have happened off that when particularly uh, Arthur, who's our head of design, I'll grab him and I'll just say, let's just go into a room quickly and do this. And we come out with these solutions that we never thought were possible. But now it is very regimented. As I said, it's like, this is yeah. my meeting. This is like, if this is outside what I need to talk to you about, I'm not going to talk to you about it right now. And you miss it. Yeah, I agree. And I think um, I think that's a problem. Yeah. Well, let's hope that we can bring things back to, again, a new normal where we, Find I think balance. we bring out, well, I think, yeah, balance and bring out the best of humanity. I think that's the a lot, a lot of people have, we've been talking about that let's maybe get rid of some of the stuff that we didn't need. So maybe some of the influencer culture of, you know, all this superficial stuff, materialism. And um, we get back to maybe taking the best parts out of the, the Great Depression motto of uh, want not, have not, I think, or need not. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it talks about really getting back to the fundamentals. But if we focus on the fundamentals, what is more fundamental than those beautiful parts of human nature about how yeah, we connect human connection i mean i just think that that is so special um and so if we can as employers if we can find the right balance between human you know genuine human connection um and productivity um we're onto a winning formula could not agree more hannah thank you for your time and let's see what uh, what happens ahead thanks so much for having me tim have a great week will do that's it for this episode of the science of us if you'd like to learn more about Hannah Ellis and the Workplace Lawyers, check out the show website. And if you'd like what you heard, please subscribe and rate us on Apple or Spotify. We really do appreciate it. This show is proudly brought to you by Helix, www.helix.com. At Helix, we give you access to real-time insights on your people to stay ahead of issues that can affect performance, simplify your one-on-ones, and enable smarter collaboration. We'll see you next time on The Science of Us.